This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. It's not the new me at all. This is the old me that was always inside. I actually nearly died. I thought, how kind of the stranger to actually do something like this. So there's 19 shops empty on Oliver Funk Street alone, PJ. And it'll be number 20. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Punch 96. Cheers that these lovely mornings continue. I may have to consider dragging out the shorts again. They only went into the wardrobe the week before last. I might have to drag them out again if these beautiful mornings continue. <laughs> I might. 0818 96 96 96, the number of the text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96, and your email opinion at 96fm.ie. Before we kick off, let's. I'll tell you more later. Uh, but please forgive me if the head is a tiny little bit woolly this morning. It has nothing to do with drink or nothing to do with parties or nothing to do with anything like that. I've just had one of these nights. I'll tell you more about it during the morning because people often talk to us about their dreams here. And we, we get dream analysts on from time to time. And I think I might need to get help with this particular one. But my dreams woke me at stupid o'clock this morning. And they're so vivid. They're almost in 3D. I can tell you where I was. What way I was faced in the car, what I was looking at, I could nearly tell you the registration number of the hearse. That's all I'm telling you. That's all I'm telling you. Oh, so it's left me a small bit woolly, woolly-headed, so let's hope there are no mistakes made this morning. Good morning. We go straight to the north side of the city. Join Paul Byrne uh, for of Virgin Media News, Southern Correspondent. Paul, a second shooting incident in a couple of days. I got a video last evening, which I'll describe in a minute. Rather a shocking one. What can you tell us? Good morning. So I, PJ, we're talking about half five yesterday. Um, a car with a number of men on board uh, travelled up towards uh, the halting site on Spring Lane and a car uh, being driven by a woman. And my understanding is that there was at least one child in the car. Uh, as it was coming out Spring Lane, the car was rammed. Now, I was, again, I believe that one shot, at least one shot was fired, discharged. Possibly a warning shot. This was to do, this was another incident where they were trying to antagonize one another and frighten one another. But a warning shot, you know, at times this could all go wrong and somebody could possibly get killed in the crossfire. Um, what's going on here? There's a number of families feuding 
and this has been going on for some time. There's what they call call-outs, where a number of them will make a video and they say, I'm Paul Byrne, I'm calling PJ Coogan out, come on, come on, you know, and they, they start antagonising one another and they start name-calling. <laughs> and then they arm themselves with baseball bats, uh, firearms, machetes, hatchets, and they travel to various locations and take one another on. And the tension between these rival groups at the moment is about to explode. It's really, the, 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 the pot is boiling. Mm. And it's only a matter of time, I think, PJ, and I, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's only a matter of time before somebody is seriously injured or killed. There was another incident in the last few days, Paul. Are the two related? Uh, I understand they are. And there was another incident in Ballyvillan uh, last Sunday night. Again, in the early hours of the morning, car pulled up outside a house, fired a, a, a shot, and I believe it went through the windscreen of a car. Um Guards are on uh, high alert. They're monitoring these gangs, but they can't keep an eye on them 24 hours a day. You know, um, these guys are travelling in various cars, various vans, going from location to location, trying to uh, draw each other out. And as I said, like, you know, you and I, years ago, when we were young, maybe said we'd sort, out, sort our differences out with a, a clatter. we give each other a box. Yeah. But these people are resorting to weapons and firearms, and um, they're just lethal. And the, the videos are quite disturbing that are being posted on social media. I mean, the, the latest video going around now is of a, a number of uh, heads inside the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, one can be clearly seen holding a handgun. A big, a big handgun, Paul. I saw that. And there's two hatchets in that car as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, a hatchet will chop down a tree. Imagine what it'll do to a human being. Um, so, look, somebody needs to try and intervene. And, you know, there's feuds going on within these families all over the country and you could they sometimes these feuds date back years and years and i remember asking one guy what are you arguing about what's the problem and he looked at me he said jesus do you know to be honest with you i have a clue and that is that's gospel truth i remember meeting a guy outside the courthouse in anglesey street i said what's the problem where are you going he said and he, as I said, he just didn't know. It goes back years and years. He said, I'm just going along with it. And it was kind of funny in one sense, but it was also sad in the other sense that this guy is just going in, beating the living daylights out of others and didn't even know what was going on or why the reason behind it. But again, it's, it's getting out of hand. And I mean, somebody has to try and sit down with these feuding uh, groups. But at times there is just no talking to them. You have excellent relations with the guards all over the city, particularly that part of the city, Paul. What are your contacts telling you about the nature of it? Do they know? Uh, I I don't know. Do you know what? I didn't actually ask what the the, the reason behind the feud. Um, But I just do know that the guards are on high alert and they're extremely worried. And, um, you know, they're they're very fearful that someone will be seriously injured or killed very, very soon. So there there has to be, someone has to put a lid on this before it gets out, it goes too far. All right, Paul, thank you very much. Paul Bourne, Southern Correspondent of Virgin Media News. That's the third incident now. Paul, very certain that they are all linked. And he's right. I can remember being in the same courtrooms and the same court cases and asking people, what's it all about anyway? Don't know. They've forgotten some of these feuds are so so old. And I got that video sent to me last night. Thank you to Roy, my good pal Roy, who sent me this. Um, no, not Roy Buckley, another Roy. Um, it's, it's about 10, maybe 11 seconds long, and it's the inside of a car. 
and there's a guy in the front seat of the car holding a gun. If you were into the Dirty Harry movies, the, the Clint Eastwood movies from back in the day, or if you ever watch any of Sylvester Stallone's films and he has guns, it's like some one of those guns. And then there's clearly the blade of one, if not two, I'm almost certain I saw two hatchets side in the car. It was like something out of a movie. It's like something out of one of those violent movies that are tucked down the end of Netflix with an over insert. But this was happening in our city last evening at around half past five. Thank you, Paul. 0818-969696. All right, I'll tell you. Um, so I, I woke with a start at around half three this morning. Um, sleeping well, but this dream ha- had woken me up. So I'm in Ballinlock, okay? I'm in Ballinlock. I'm between the Orchard Bar, Driscoll's Shop, and Cashel's Chemist. And I know know that area at the back of my hand. Everybody knows the area I'm talking about if you're anywhere near it. And I'm driving. I'm not quite sure where I'm going, but I'm heading towards town. So I'm heading down with, with the Orchard and Driscoll's and Cashel's on my right. If you're listening in Driscoll's, good morning, lads. I know they do. It's bright. It's daytime. I'm on my own in the car. Can't quite remember where I'm going. But the first crash is an ambulance, which careers straight into the wall opposite Driscoll's. It's then followed by the screeching brakes of a hearse. I'm telling you, a hearse, which comes out in front of me, does a almost donut in the road and crashes into the wall of Cashel's chemist. I have absolutely no idea what's going on here. There's guards then come and the guards crash into the hearse. And I'm sitting here in my dream going, what the hell is going on? And then ping, I woke up. So that's why I might be a small little bit woolly-headed this morning, so you will forgive me. But it's the weird, and it was in 3D, and it was in colour, and it was in real time, and I could hear the sirens, and I have absolutely no idea what it was about. No, I hadn't been drinking. No, I had not. I hadn't even had so much as a snifter of wine. Had me dinner, read a book, had a glass of water and went to bed. Didn't even have too much coffee yesterday. Didn't even have ice ice cream last night. I'm partial to an ice cream in the evening. I don't know. And I went to bed a bit early because I was tired. It was a long day. So I have no explanation for it whatsoever. But can you beat that for a weird dream? 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Anne wants to give everyone the home that Cork gave her. She's leaving a gift in her will to Cork Simon. Find out more at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. So Paula has painted the picture 
of what happened last evening. And as I said, I have seen the video. It's shocking. You get a lot of videos in this business. Videos are dropping into your phone 24-7 from all over the city and county. It's one of the most shocking ones I've seen in a long time. But besides that, Labour Party Councillor John Maher has made contact. You've got people ringing you this morning, John, terrified because this is right in the middle of a built-up area. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. I suppose, yeah, look, PJ, we've all seen the videos, um, you know, and I, I think this morning I'm ringing more as a resident than anything else because I live here. Um, but, you know, while those videos are going around, it's important to, to point out to, is that, you know, we've got we've got young people uh, out playing with their friends, going training to the various clubs throughout Balavalan, and we've got people walking the ring road, which I do myself, um, going to Duns to pick up the shopping, you know, heading up to, to Deckies. There's a lot of, there's a big community here that are going about, there, there's kids coming up from school. That's the type of time we're, we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, of the of the reported times, you know, now again. So so I suppose, um, you know, people have rung me, they're, they're nervous to ring the guards because, they, you know, they're not used to this, you know. <laughs> you know they, they come home and they, they, they want to get the kids in, get the homework done. And, you know, get the dinner on. That's the type of time we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, so look, I've rung the guards as well. The guards have assured me that it is, um, you know, it is a priority. But I, I, as I said to the guards on the phone, I just hope that there's extra resources. And, and, and I shout out to guard management is that, you know, we need all the resources um, that, that we can get to stop this. Because we've all seen those videos. And it's, you know, when we live in a great place, it's not nice to see that. And, you know, that's that's the worry now. Yeah. Is that, you know, and that's the general, that that's the tone of the conversations that people are ringing me with. And I suppose if there is anyone listening, PJ, that is making those videos, I, I, I always try and remain hopeful. But, you know, I'm asking just to stop it because there could be, you know, nobody, nobody, um, nobody needs to be, to be kind of, nobody needs to see that um, or to experience that, um, you know. And I suppose for the, to the Gardaí, as I've called already, is that they need all the resources to be on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and to give people that security, I think that's important at the moment. Is that people just need security? It's three incidents in 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 as many days, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important now because the, that's what we. I think that's what that's what we deserve. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what we deserve. We deserve to feel safe in our streets. And I think going on those videos and the threats is that the Gardaí are the only people uh, in a position to stop. You know what what that what that threat is. Um, and, and to make the community safe. All right. John, leave it there. Thank you, Labour Party Councillor and local resident of that area, uh, John Maher. And the GA grounds, there's a crash. There's kids, like you said, up to Decky's shop. God, I haven't been in Decky's for years. Going up to Decky's shop, doing their few bits and pieces. You know, it, it's it's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Kate says, if you or I did that, there'd be a manhunt and we'd all be hauled in. Why aren't these crowd hauled in? Why aren't these perpetrators being questioned by the Gardaí? Is it because the guys are afraid of escalation? Have we lost control? Thanks. Thanks, Katie. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Bernie was thinking about my dream. I, I'll describe it for you again later on, but she thinks maybe I'm focusing too much on the war and Israel and Gaza and Ukraine and heavy-duty hard news. There's a thing, Bernie, I kind of make it a part of my day now to switch off from that once I've done with say the 6 o'clock news or if I'm really busy the 9 o'clock news once I've done with the news I have to catch the news of an evening once I've done I'm gone I'm reading a book 
or I'm listening to music or I'm doing something that I enjoy and watching some telly that has absolutely nothing to do with any of that stuff. So I don't know where this dream came out of. I really have no idea. 0818 96 96 96. There are some big pay cuts coming at RTE. The Director General Kevin Backhurst has published this plan of his to cut back spending, cut back costs, cut back the staff by 400 over the next number of years, although he says there won't be any compulsory redundancies, which you'd certainly hope. But it means also huge pay cuts for the likes of Joe Duffy, uh, who's currently earning 350000 Claire Bourne, who's on two hundred and eighty, and Mary McCallaghan, who's on nearly 265. They'll all, the next time their contract comes up for renewal, they'll all find their pay capped at the same of the Director General. And he presently earns 250000 That's the big headline story, but there's a whole lot more. Things are going to be cut to the plus one channel is going to be done away with. And some of their digital platforms to be cut back as well. They're going to spread production out to Cork and Limerick and Galway, which isn't a bad thing. There's a huge building down there in Father Matthew Key, and they're not using the half of it. And I know that from spending time in there. So that's that's not a bad thing. Kevin, looking at all of what's going on up there, what's your thoughts? Good morning. Well, you, you said it yourself. You've got the headline news-grabbing, clickbaity stuff about Joe Duffy and Mary McCallaghan. That's going to save a grain of sand. And the fact of the matter is, we don't fund broadcasting anywhere near where we need, where we should be. I know that's profanity and people will be like chucking things at the radio but the fact of the matter is the TV license in 2003 was 150 euro. Mm. It's 160 euro since 2008. Now I don't know what, I, what your income is like but I know my outgoings have increased an awful lot since 2008 and I don't know how Kevin Backhurst can turn around and say it's we're going to cut 20% of the workforce. It's not going to affect the programming that you're watching. And everything's going to be right. He doesn't even know how he's going to get his money over the next five years. He has no idea how his income stream is going to come. Yeah. He's already running at a short point. It, it, the more you scratch the surface in this and get away from the headline clickbaity stuff, you realize that he's spreading the work to Cork, Limerick and Galway. Great. He's got a fifth of the staff less to do it. He's outsourcing production work to companies that don't have the best workers' rights out there as compared to RT. So they're obviously going to be cheaper. But is that where we're, where we're at now? Say broadcasters in a race to the bottom. He has said that there'll be no compulsory redundancies and there's two or three ways you can achieve that. One is, there is, if you're staff, there is compulsory retirement at 66 in RTE. Anyone who retires won't be replaced that's one way of doing it. He will then offer a voluntary package, one assumes, which they say will cost about forty million. And then after that, well, maybe forced in last out, but you'd hope it doesn't get to that. And you're right, it'll be people we know nothing about, people we never see. No. Uh, the thing is you know him from being in the industry. I know him from contacting people with to do with the podcast and stuff, uh, trying to get people on air. And it, it's there's a lot of people who don't earn very much are deeply affected by this and they're rightly annoyed. And the thing is, I don't like the way this leak stuff happened yesterday morning, right? The leak started yesterday morning. Suddenly by mid-morning, RT have turned around and say, okay, now you can have your funding. 
and then he goes and tells the staff who are affected by this in the evening. That's all wrong. And the other side of it is, I don't know how RT can be seen now as independent when it comes to questioning politicians when the fate of their jobs is literally mm-hmm. in the hands of whoever the government of the day is. Mm-hmm. That is not what you want from a state broadcaster. Back to People, your, your, your point about the cost of the television licence. Uh, yeah. And it was 160-something, which is, if you break it down, it's not 50 cents a day. No. Uh, uh, do you think that's too cheap, Kev? It is. Is If we want to carry on for getting the content that we, that we get, in this day and age, and asking it to follow specific rules, it has to it has to produce content that isn't profitable. Things like Irish language content isn't profitable. They have to provide us hmm. by law. So I, I was watching something last night, and they were talking about the Danish model, similar size country, similar size income, and what have you. And the state broadcaster gets double the funding. But it comes from general taxation. People are running away, though, and they're putting their uh, license renewal letters into the bin. Then don't complain when your favourite programmes are cancelled. Uh, that's a really big bugbear. It's almost, it's almost as bad as co- complaining about politicians. Who did you vote for? I didn't vote at all. <laughs> no, don't, don't come to me if you're, if you're one of these people who cancelled their subscription because Brian Tuberty told you what you already knew in the back of your head. You already knew in the back of your head that he was, that people are on, you know, nixers, for a better word. We all knew it. Yeah. We just suddenly get offended when you're told it. All right. Kev, leave it there. Uh, strong words. If your favorite show is cancelled or your favorite service is cancelled and you didn't pay your television license over the Tuberty affair, then Kevin is arguing that possibly you only have yourself to blame. It's an interesting take, and I'd like you follow up. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Fiona wants to know what genius decided that while the Ballyhooley Road is closed, they've roadworks now by the Black Man with traffic lights. Oh help us! Took me half an hour to get through it last night. Twenty five minutes this morning, and I'm not even in the city yet. All the traffic coming in is forced to take this route, and now they do this. Fiona's not having a good morning. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm reading a very lengthy analysis of this RTE story in the uh, Independent this morning. Fiona Sheehan is the Ireland editor of the Irish Independent. Fiona, a lot of big headlines, like Kevin says, massive pay cuts, pay caps, the whole thing. Does Kevin Backhurst know what he's doing here? Good morning. Well, PJ, I mean, the great news for Cork is that there'll be even more traffic because there's going to be so many RTE productions made down in there. I think the studio the thing. They're, they're shooting they're opening in the city, <laughs> the city centre, like, you know. So, I don't know. What do you think, though, overall? I don't know. Are you complaining complain about the wrong fella here? Uh, it's the, the, the cutbacks plan is, in effect, predicated on the taxpayer providing more income to RTE over the coming years. They're going to be getting forty million uh, for next year, and thereafter they're basically saying they need reform of the license fee, and that will result in an extra forty to fifty million going to RTE every year after this. Now, does that come from increased license fee revenue? Does that come from directly from the taxpayer? That's up to the government to decide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think is really going on here? Looking at the politics of it. It would appear that the the plan that had been put together uh, by RTE and announced yesterday by Kevin Backhurst 
basically allows it, it gives a bit of of uh, leeway, I suppose, to government to provide that extra funding to allow RTE to basically turn around and say, listen, we're drawing a line under the previous controversies. We're moving on now. This will be the new organisation. And you know, it's it's not. It's not the most detailed document. It's very nice and colourful, 34 pages, lots of nice graphics and so on. But there's, there's precious little. I mean, there's no sign of any balance sheet or projected uh, financial outturn like that over the course of the next five years. There's, there's, you know, there's no projections in terms of what will be their, their, their commercial uh, income, for example. There's no actual figures on how much will will be invested because there are significant investments being outlined here, mm. including on the on the digital side in terms of updating their app, in terms of of updating the the, the much maligned RTE player, and indeed, um, upgrading their their facilities in in places like Cork. I mean, they're mm. talking about selling. The uh, the office down on on the keys, uh, which I suppose gets gets flooded quite a lot uh, <laughs> along the, along that stretch. I think that building is worth about two million, and they're saying they're going to pump that money back into a, a new facility which they'll rent somewhere uh, in in Cork City Centre. So I mean, that, so they're, that ta- would, oh, they're talking about selling the Father Master Key building, which is where everything yeah, already is. Yeah, they're talking about selling that and moving to a, a purpose built. So it, it's not that that the Cork studio is being downgraded by any means. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, there'll be an upgrade to the to the facility. So they have some building in mind uh, in in the city centre, and they'll basically be looking to expand the amount of shows that are are produced. I mean, obviously, people will 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 best know of the. Today show mm-hmm. uh, nationwide, John Creedon, uh, in 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 the evening, and they're saying there are there are other programs across TV and radio that can be be produced uh, from there. But you know, you're not going to get much of a studio for for two million quid. There's going to be a substantial investment there, and we're, we're you know we're we're not abundantly clear to use the Cork Studio as an example of of how much is going to be involved. Um, how many shows do they think can be produced from there? How many staff will be employed there? Mm-hmm. We know there's an overall headcount figure of of 400 yeah. uh, to be made made redundant yeah. and and not replaced. And it's not even fair to call it redundancy because some of it would just be people leaving and people retiring, not being not being replaced. replaced. So no. A lot of the people. One, one point that's being made repeatedly, Shannon, is a lot of the people that will lose their jobs here, and some people will have no choice but to lose their jobs. Let, let's be. They'll be people we've never heard of. People we've never see. I might have seen them being in there from time to time. You might have seen them being in there from time to time. Those people. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it uh, overall, I mean, it is, uh, RT has been a tale of excesses at the, at the top of, of the organisation over the course of the, the last six months spilling out. And now it's the people at the bottom of the organisation who are going to suffer as a result. That, that has been the the outcome, uh, even before the financial scandal emerged back in, in June, RTE were in significant financial difficulty. They were saying they were going to be 34 million short next year uh, alone. They've long been saying that there needs to be license fee reform and that their their funding model was not fit for purpose as, as commercial revenue uh, came down because it, 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 it it's drifting away from uh, particular areas uh, towards the, the social media and, and internet giants and, and meanwhile 
their audiences were were also changing as people moved to 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 streaming uh, platforms, uh, and they, they moved to more uh, digital programming away from your traditional terrestrial mm-hmm. TV. Mm-hmm. So that was that was all creating enormous difficulties uh, for the organisation, and I suppose everything has come to a head. So if anything, I mean, never. Never waste a never waste a crisis. Uh, <laughs> it swings to mind here here as well. There are probably initiatives spelled out here that needed to be done for for quite some time, but there was never an opportunity to to do so. Yeah. And I suppose the the crisis that engulfed the organisation presented uh, such an opportunity. Like if you look at the one of the things they're talking about doing is the RTE plus one, the RTE one plus one would be gone. Um, which is that's basically a videotape. Like you, others, other digital platforms are, are dirt cheap to run. Some of them, some of them are more, more expensive than others. But some cut and cut. Some of the cuts they seem to be intending to make will only save buttons. Yeah, I, I mean, unless there's some fella sitting in the room out in RTE who is the RTE one plus one man, he's sitting there with a watch and he's counting down one hour, and then he's hitting play uh, on, on the show that went down an hour earlier. I, I, don't, I don't really see how there's going to be massive uh, staffing reductions or, or efficiencies uh, there. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of kind of tokenistic kind of stuff listed, kind of bits of bits of obscurity uh, that they're basically saying we're not going to do it anymore. I mean, it's surprising that they didn't say, point out that, you know, the Airtel shut down last month. Um, you know, things things move on. And obviously within uh, radio and, and TV, there are going to be services that you're, you're going to provide that, that are no longer needed and you, and you move on uh, fr- uh, from them. You, you try some things out, they work for a while and then, then later they, they don't. Mm. So are they essential parts of services? Not really. So we're still, you're still really none the wiser at the end of this. Yeah. Apart from, you know, being told RT is going to be smaller, it's going to be more streamlined, there's going to be, you know, they're not going to be doing as much as as they were doing before. There's going to be more independent production rather than in-house production uh, of 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 programming. It's not really getting into the nuts and bolts and telling you exactly what. For example, I mean, will 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 the Sunday game, which is a a, a staple yeah. uh, of of. Uh, Programming across the country on on Sunday nights. Will they farm that out? Or it used to be. Uh, they're they're talking about will will they be farming that out? Will will that be produced by uh, an independent uh, producer? For example, I mean, I was watching um, GA Fifty on on TG Hatter the other night. It was it's produced by an independent producer. They 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 get the rights uh, to to the matches. They overlay their commentary uh, on it. They put a highlights package together, and and out it it goes. There are other examples of, 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 of sports programming being done. So, I mean, is the Sunday game the kind of thing that could be done that way? Fair City, likewise. Yeah. Does it need to be based on the, the RTE campus? Could it be done in, a, in another studio? Could it be done by an independent pr- producer uh, who would produce the program and, and sell it back uh, to RTE under a, a whatever contract, five, seven, ten years uh, outlining uh, in terms and conditions what has to be what has to be provided. So, can all of those can can that those type of programs be 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 done that way? I mean, you could say the same for the late late show. Does the late late show really need to be be produced on yeah. campus yeah. Uh, by RTE? Or, right. or given that they're 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 now gone outside the organisation for both the presenter 
and the director uh, of the show, is there any reason why the whole the whole lot of it couldn't be done couldn't that be way? Done side. Yeah, yeah. Sure. If you want to leave it there, thank you. Thirty-seven pages in this uh, report or this proposal from Kevin Backhurst and as Fiona Sheehan says, they're not a whole pile in it really, other than a few ideas. Fionnán Sheehan, Ireland editor of the Irish Independent. Thank you, Fionnán. Your own thoughts, very welcome, particularly there with what Kevin was saying about the licence fee. If you didn't pay or you intend not to pay your 160 notes and your favourite show disappears or is caught back, then you should really look at yourself for somebody to blame. That's Kevin's take. It's an easy fix, PJ. Let RTE stand on their own two feet like other providers. Abolish the TV licence and say to the public, if you want them, it's €160 a year to subscribe. You mean make RTE a little bit like Netflix or Prime or any one of Disney or any one of those things? It's one way. About a month ago, this very day, going by the days, going by the dates, it'd be different, but a month ago, today, all hell was breaking loose. Storm Babbitt was arriving. It's about a month ago, this moment, that Alan O'Reilly and Carla Weather said to me Cork was in trouble. Cork would be in serious trouble by the end of the day, and how right he was. Uh, we will be revisiting the worst affected areas today. Stephen has been out in Glanmire and in Middleton, uh, meeting people there, and you'll remember that I ended up sidelined. <laughs> And Gareth and Joe were here for the few days. And Gareth spoke to Ashton McAvoy in uh, one of the most harrowing interviews I've ever heard on this radio station and or any radio station. Uh, I went back yesterday and I visited Ashton again in her home in Glanmire. And we'll hear all of that uh, during the course of the morning as we look back at Storm Babbitt one month on. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cause 96 FM. Yeah, that look back at uh, Storm Babbitt a month on. Later on this morning, I told you all about my crazy dream uh, last night, the one that woke me at half three in the morning going, what the hell was that? Um, I slept well, but fitfully after that dream frightened the living life out of me. I'll go give you the details of it again. I think we might return tomorrow to the topic of mad dreams. But it brings another topic to mind, and that is insomnia. People who can't sleep. They said that between 6 and 15% of us struggle, sometimes or frequently, with our sleep. It's a big, big problem. Joined by Bridget Darcy from Lloyd's Pharmacy to talk about this for a while. Bridget, good morning. Thanks for taking our call. Good morning and great to speak with you. Now, sleep, we've all got to do it. We spend a third of our lives in our bed mm. and it's important to sleep well. How can we help ourselves to sleep well day to day? Well, absolutely. Our sleep is very important to us. Um, ideally, we should try sleep for um, eight hours, if at all possible. Um, and the earlier you go to bed, actually, the better it is and the more deep sleep you will get um, as you are in sync with your um, circadian rhythm. And um, basically, that's just, you know, the way our light to dark. Um, so just to make sure that we're in that. Um, so our sleep hygiene is very important to us. Um, that is where, you know, it's our habits that we form to get the best out of our sleep pattern. So 
be it your environment to make sure, you know, you've a cool, dark room to mm. avoid as much light as possible. Um, meals and alcohol, very important. Try and avoid those heavy meals before you go to bed. Alcohol consumption, look, we all, well, I certainly do, love a drink. Yeah. Um, but this can cause disrupted sleep. So just to be aware of that. There's a the thing about um, food. If you yeah. eat in the evening, you find yeah. yourself sleepy after food. Is that not a good a, a good thing? Um, you do find that you can be sleepy because it's heavy, but then you have, you know, sugars going into the body. So this can wake you then later in the evening. And that's the problem with the alcohol as well, that you get this false sleep. Yeah. And yeah. then you wake up, be it three, four in the morning and you're nearly, you're buzzing. You're like, oh my God, why am I awake? <laughs> Um, and that that is the reason. Um, some of yeah. the reason is that these sugars are in your body, and now you're ready to rock. Is interfering with your body chemistry. You mentioned yeah. circadian rhythm, the dark and the light. There's so much dark these days, and it's only going to get darker until yeah. February. That does affect our sleep pattern when there's so much dark. Absolutely. So, like our our twenty four hour cycle, that is that's circadian rhythm, and the light to dark. Um, so what I w- would say to people is, you know, on those dark nights, try to get to bed early. You know, take advantage of them, get a book, go to bed, try avoid the mobile phones, and then try to get up in the early morning. That, you know, you have that little bit of light. Um, but unfortunately, during the winter, we have <laughs> very little light. Yeah. So make the best of it that you can. Make sure you're taking vitamin D because... When we're losing life, we're not getting that natural vitamin D, which can sometimes, you know, make people feel a little bit bad. I was making that point, actually, uh, the other day that Mm. this, uh, I get up at stupid o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. In the spring, summer, into autumn, it's so much easier. Yeah. But it's pitch black in the mornings and harder. Is is that natural or am, am I just imagining that? No, so of course, nobody wants to get up in the dark. Yeah. So we're all the same. We all find it hard to, to get out of the bed. Um, but it probably is easier if you've had a decent night's sleep. Yes. Just like, okay, this is what we have to face. And, you know, it's... Sleep hygiene, right. as you said. Yeah, good, our, our good. sleep hygiene, it's, it's just vitally important. And look, we're all busy and we have things to be doing. But if we try to put those six pillars into place for ourselves and be like, you know, maybe a bit selfish and say, this is what's important for me. I need to go to bed on time. I need to maybe do a little bit of yoga to try and to relax. You know, be whatever it is, is that every night we try to do the same thing within you know, whatever your remit is. Exercise is another one that's really important. Try get out in those daylight hours, even if it's a 20-minute walk during the day. Mm. Just get out into that daylight. Into the you know, light. Into yeah. a nice environment, a, a peaceful environment, if if at all possible. People who struggle with their sleep like students, and students live yeah. crazy hours, shift workers, mm. that kind of stuff. Any advice yeah. for them? Yeah, well, absolutely. Our students and, and young adults, they, they need to get to create sleep. Um, you know, there's studies linking back there to lack of sleep can lead to impulsivity, stress, depression. 
um, aggressive behaviour, obesity, loads of different things. So it's important that our, our students and our younger adults, they prioritise their sleep to help them succeed in their academic and personal life. So what I would say, again, um, probably for our students is to reduce, it's essential for them to limit their screen time. That blue light emitted by electronic devices can interfere with your sleep. Mm. But there's also, you know, there's there's products on the, the market that can help with relaxation and sleep. So, for example, ashwagandha, this is a fantastic um, product. What did you call it? Ashwagandha. So it's a, a plant, actually, that it, it's grown in um, Africa and Asia. It's beneficial in relieving stress. There's another product that seems very popular at the moment. Um, it's called Fabio Relax. And again, this contains not just ashwagandha, but it also has magnesium. Mm. Fabio um, Relax. Fabio Relax. Yeah, yeah it, it's actually, there's a range um, from the fabulous pharmacist that she released and it's called right. Fab, Fab RU. Brilliant, super range. But that, the big one for me is the, the blue light at night, you know, Try and get away from it. Try and get away from it as early that, as you that can. Green yeah. time. Just try and limit it, even if they just take out a book and read a proper book. Yeah. Yeah. Another group that have trouble with their sleep would be women who are in menopause or in perimenopause. Absolutely. Anything for them? Anything? Any ideas for them? Yeah, so the main one that tends to wake the women at night are the old hot flushes. Um, you know, the night sweat. The changes in moods, these all can contribute to poor sleep. Rest legs are another one. Lion's mane may help, you know, support the regulation of that hormonal activity. Lots of women around this getting lots of good feedback on Lion's mane. Yeah. Lion's mane. Okay. Yeah, it's a type of mushroom. I see. So there's um, B6 um, also helps that hormonal activity. But not only will it help with, you know, the rest of the cycle, it will also help with the brain fog. So lots of women, to menopause and perimenopause, suffer from brain fog, tiredness and these mood swings. So it's not just one dimensional. It really may help, you know, with lots of other ones. The other one um, I personally think is very important for everybody is the magnesium. Yeah, but magnesium, more magnesium into our diet. More magnesium. Mag365, is you, you pop it into a little bit of warm water just to activate it and drink it throughout the day. Bridget, appreciate your time and thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, Bridget. Sarah says she takes magnesium every night before bed. Seems to work so far. Anna, my sleep's a nightmare, PJ. I wake at four or five every morning and can't get back to sleep at all. I'm exhausted all the time. There's a lot of it out there. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 966 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. There's a few people contacting us with their own particularly mad or recurring or strange 
dreams uh, in response to my one that I had last night, which has left me a small bit bully-headed this morning. I was telling you about it, I'll tell you again later on, but some of the people calling in with weird ones. But the one I had last night is the weirdest dream I think I've had in many a long day. Many a long day. And the details of it are as vivid now in my head as when it was happening. It all happened to me in Ballinlock between the Orchard Bar and O'Driscoll's shop and Cashel's Chemist. That stretch of road there, I know they all listen to us in those three aforementioned places, so good morning to you all. Um, but it was weird. Weird out. Tell you more. We have a few more people ringing in. I think we'll return to the uh, matter of strange dreams. Strange and crazy dreams. As Paul Brady wrote about crazy dreams. We'll return to that in, in the days to come. 0818 96, 96, 96 the number, the text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 and the email opinion at 96mm.ie A month ago today we had been warned by Eleanor Wiley of Carlow Weather that Cork was in for a drenching that Storm Babbitt was coming and she was angry and she was full of water and that she would leave Cork in a lot of trouble I don't think even Alan realised just how much trouble Babbitt would bring upon us. And this time a month ago, I was sitting here feeling the first of the urgent calls coming in from Glenmire, particularly people saying that the road by the Vienna Woods, that that was flooded. Calls coming in from Middleton, people ringing me to say that the water in the fields was bringing earth and dirt and rubble down onto the road, even at this hour. But I don't think even then we'd any idea how bad it was going to get. Middleton and Glenmire in particular were inundated, even though lots and lots of places suffered. And we're going to look back in this hour of the programme on one month ago today and the fallout from it. Stephen has been out talking to people in both Middleton and Glenmire and I went down to visit Ashley McAvoy, who spoke to Gareth while I wasn't here about the devastation in that part. Uh, of 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 Glenmire, but first we go to Middleton. The first voice you'll hear on this is Mark from Pa O'Farrell's Butchers. Yeah, sure. Look on the day, I suppose there was it was raining, obviously, and we were here and we went home because the town was really closing down. The main street outside was flooding, so we were asked to move cars and whatever off the main street. And we left about half past one, and um, I think about half past three, uh, we got a phone call to come back that we had a foot and a half of water inside in the shop. So when we came back, we just opened the doors and left the water out. We were flooding from the back. So the main street wasn't too bad, actually. Our part of the town, the lower part of the town, was worse. Um, so we just had to open the doors. And it was 9 o'clock that night before we actually got the water out. So and we just did a bit of cleaning and went home and came back on the Thursday morning. And there was a skip outside the door and unfortunately every, everything had to go into it. We lost all the stock and the um, packaging and everything due to contamination. We had fridges that were in the shop floor sitting in water for hours. So obviously they wouldn't 
didn't work. We had to throw them out. Water got in under the tiles and the floors and in behind the walls and stuff. And so we were affected badly, all right, yeah. On the Friday, there was um, a lot of people around. We had our electrician in on the Friday morning and he got one of our fridges working. The other part of the, our main counter, the electrics are badly damaged in it. So we're, we're awaiting the funding to before we order a new one. Look, we have to say it has, we have been very well supported since we opened back up, definitely. We're still awaiting the funding from the Red Cross and we're hoping actually to be approved maybe Wednesday of Thursday or Thursday of this week. Then we will order a new counter, but there is a three to four week lead in time. And obviously with the nature of the business, Christmas is the busiest time of the year. So raiding from Sage Restaurant in Middleton? Yeah, well, we were actually um, closed on the day of the flooding, but we were fortunate, um, you know, kind of always count your blessings after a time like this. So one of the things that we're, we're fortunate with was that um, my husband Kevin was actually on site on the day. He wasn't um, due to be. So um, he was here when the flooding happened. And I suppose, as everyone says, it was the speed, the sheer speed and volume of water that suddenly flooded the whole premises from back to front for us. So he was here and was able to save some things. But I suppose our biggest losses were our equipment. Our kitchen was very badly hit. And we have our shop area and our back production kitchen was also very badly affected. And it's still not, that's the part of our business that is still not back up and running. You know, in talking about community, there's a, a voluntary group um, working really hard. Well, they work hard every year, but especially hard this year to really celebrate Christmas in Middleton. So the lights, lots of events happening, and that's kind of, that's all happening this Sunday in Middleton. So again, all these things happening, all this sense of community is 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 really positive. And we, we there's hope there. As a society at the moment, we're kind of obsessed with well-being, um, and often we look inwards for that. But really, it was just really showed, really for well-being, it, the most important thing is, is being part of a community. So on the day, it became apparent very, very suddenly that the town was about to flood and we had Shirley and I who works with me had just left the shop to go and collect children from school because the schools were starting to close and it was becoming um, obvious that things were deteriorating fast so I left the shop with the plan to come back with some sandbags but into the council office and unfortunately they had none and um, my husband was trying to get some in Carrigtool but by the time that we got sandbags um, it was too late the town had already flooded at that stage we had four foot water we ended up with in the shop so all of our stock got destroyed all of our samples all our fixtures fittings the whole shop is destroyed we're still not back in there and we have a lot to do to get it back up and running so we moved in here last Wednesday um, Tom Kelly from Market Green has been fantastic to us um, got the place ready built partitions put fishing rooms in gave us a mirror um, like we had nothing and um, the, the support and the community spirit is just unbelievable um, and he was just amazing with his team there's still a lot of businesses trying to figure out they haven't opened up yet and they're trying to figure out um, an alternative trading spot for themselves <clears throat> now an awful lot of businesses have opened up which is fantastic and um, it was amazing to see the amount of businesses who actually pulled it together and got their doors open so Middleton is very much open for business there's an awful lot of work still to be done there's a lot of businesses still um, trying to get back open or open but not fully operational yet um, there's a lot of homeowners that are still affected as well that are obviously trying to get their homes back together so yes a lot has been done in the last month but there's an awful lot more yet to do
We're very confident. Um, we have the support of our suppliers behind us. We have support of amazing customers who have been fantastic. So once we have our insurance details sorted out, there's an awful lot of work going on in the background. We have to be open in January and that's just the way we're looking at it. So we'll move um, heaven and earth to make sure that happens. The most important thing for us is that the support keeps coming from the community, from everybody else in Cork and the wider area. Um, and, you know, just please come and support us um, so that we can all move forward from this and move away from it. Lara O'Brien from Flamingo and Fox and Co. Yeah, it was devastating really on the day and it all happened so quickly. We were flooded from the front and the back of both buildings and within kind of half an hour, 45 minutes, we were almost up to our knees in water. We were kind of concentrating on Flamingo on the day and we hadn't realised that it had hit the main street as well. When something like this happens, you, you don't know what to expect, but what we experienced was just unbelievable like we had so much help from the community from the local schools everyone just dug deep and that was probably the most overwhelming part of it the help we received literally within kind of hours the cleanup was phenomenal unfortunately for us this is the busiest time for retail because we're not open at the moment in both businesses we've kind of come up with initiative ourselves to help market the town myself and a local influencer we're going to help promote all the businesses that are open and you know trying to find out when businesses are opening again uh, we'll be say, you know we're doing a series on social media tiktok instagram and we kind of ask that everyone share that as well once we go live with that that's some of the business people in middleton affected by the floods a month ago today we'll pop to dan meyer next join the conversation this is the opinion line with hidden hearing focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years they're all ears visit hiddenhearing.ie one of the most harrowing interviews I've ever heard was the one that Gareth did while I was in hospital. Gareth did an interview with Ashling McAvoy from Glenmire. She lives in Copper Valley View in Riverstown, Glenmire, and she has her little business there, Vision of Beauty, Beauty Salon. Ashling had been wiped out, just wiped out for the second time. Uh, her house was flooded also seven years ago. And you can find that interview on our podcasts from from last month. But I went back down to Copper Valley View yesterday and I visited Ashling again to see how things are going. Actually, when you spoke to Gareth last month, people were ringing us and messaging us to know, is, is she all right? You weren't, were you? You were broken. You had an awful experience. Yeah, um, well, I still feel upset and angry that this has happened to us for a second time. And I feel stressed and worried that it'll happen again for a third time. And I feel that we've been forgotten about and kind of defeated, really, at the moment. Like, I feel like the whole world is still turning and I'm not in it because I'm stuck here being held hostage by the weather. Like Halloween has passed us by and Christmas is coming and when I see the decorations around the place it just makes me sad because I'm just sick with worry because mm. I don't know what kind of Christmas we're going to have. We're sitting here in your kitchen um, and you've had a month of trying to clean it up and you're still, you're only scratching the surface. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like I've had to detach myself now from the situation to be allowed to be able to talk kind of at all rationally because 
Um, I know some of the other neighbours can't even talk. They're so upset and distressed. Mm. And I just feel like I've had to kind of block all that out so that I can even try to talk to you about it now. Yeah. Your, your, your husband was saying to me there a while ago, you, you don't sleep when you hear rain. You can't sleep when you hear the rain. No, God, when it's raining, you're likely to go outside and meet half the neighbours pacing up and down beside that stream. Everyone is living in fear, you know. We don't know when it's going to happen again, and especially with all these weather warnings that are coming at us every other day. What's been happening for the last month um, in terms of aid? Has some, has anyone come to help you? Um, well, initially we were told that it was the humanitarian fund that was going to help us out. So we were invited over to the scout hall one day and um, on that day we were given a payment that was in and around kind of 700 euros some families got it less than that some families got more than that it was based on kind of you know who you had living in the house the number of children that you had so it was kind of a social welfare payment on that behalf and it was meant to be kind of to deal with the immediate aftermath of the floods it was for um you know replacing your pots and pans and that that you'd have in the lower drawers in your kitchen Mm -hmm. and in my case um if you remember the story i had called my two girls out of school to come and help me so they were up to their neck in water wearing their school uniforms and they had their school bags on their back so like it was about replacing school uniforms and shoes and the pots and pans so like it didn't even start anything towards working on the house a few hundred quid would so, barely pay for the uniforms and stuff. yeah definitely and um i think people are under the impression that there was a bigger payment made on that day but it certainly wasn't for the people of Glamire anyway um, and there's been nothing since we've spent the last month just it's been up to us to go to our own credit union accounts and try to fund this any way we can when Michal Martin came to visit us in the, the immediate aftermath and he um, he listened when I told him that I felt that the humanitarian fund the application form like the document itself was unfit for purpose like in all fairness the document requires two builders quotes covering all structural damage three months bank statements for all accounts what this is to get the humanitarian yeah package. yeah just right. to get it started off um it's three most recent pay slips and your pps numbers a copy of your insurance policy stating that you're not covered for flood damage photos and videos to prove that you actually were flooded um, and that's just to start the process. So, like... I thought they said they were going to make it easy for people, actually. They did say that, but what they said and what they did have been two different things. Mm-hmm. So now we're still trying to assess the damage and gather quotes, and we're looking outside when it rains to see if we need to put out sandbags and take precautions. And then we're inside trying to fix up our homes, and we're trying to work... Um, and still manage everything else that needs to be done in in our normal lives. So it's actually impossible to try to find peace and clarity in our minds to actually sit down and fill out that document under these circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like we're, what, we're just five and a half weeks now to Christmas. 
There's no way you'll have this done, is there? Absolutely no way now at this stage. So, well, how, what stage are you at? I know this plaster has been done and the place is dry at least. But where, where, where are you? Where do you stand? And how are you paying for it? Well, we're paying for it out of our own credit union at this stage. You know, we've got loans out. Now, the kitchen is proven a big problem at the moment because you will see there where we pulled out the washing machine and the dishwasher and those appliances, like the kind of space in the kitchen, like the carcass of the kitchen just kind of swelled where they came out of that you couldn't get something in. All the cabinets are swollen from water. That's it. And um, like last week, there's the carcass underneath the fridge kind of disintegrated and the fridge dropped down so that's kind of makeshift but I mean at the minute we're managing with the sockets there above the counter level and we can plug in like a kettle and an air fryer It's a blessing that your husband is a nutrition that that helps doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah he's handy so it definitely helps Um, like that's the like he had hurt his back and he was he couldn't bend or stoop down and he was trying to fix Mm. the sockets above the counter level and by the time we got three weeks in last week, I was coming home and he was lying on the flat of his back mm-hmm. and trying to lean into the lower sockets and try to fix them because basically we don't know where we'll get money to pay anybody else to come in and help yeah. with, with any of the work. I understand the credit unions have been very good to people, but that money has to be found to give back as well. It, that's it. It still has to be paid back and there are loans like that we've, we've never intended to get. Like, I'm a responsible parent and I have three teenagers. So, like any other working-class parent, I've been doing my best to put away money from my kids' college fees since the day that they were born. And now this is also going to be used against me when I'm means-tested. Hold on, hold on. Your savings for your kids' college will be put against you for a means-test? Yeah, because you've got to kind of, you know, you've got to declare any money that you have in any bank account that you own. So, like, I feel because of this means test, like, I've lost my home, so I've lost my past, I've lost my present because I have to spend all my time fighting for my rights here, and now they're going to rob me of my children's futures as well. Um, and you know that could even get worse again then what happens if there's a third flood after this where is that funding going to come from Um, and that's very possible over the next few months like you've no insurance here in the house you've no flood insurance ever was no we've no flood insurance because we it's our second time being flooded so you showed me that a while ago so this is the second time and yeah the first time it came up to maybe what a foot up the wall it came to about three steps on the stairs right and this time it it was higher again yeah the pictures i've seen the pictures of dominic out the back up to his waist in water in the the back garden yeah it was just unbelievable you see the last time it was a drain that was blocked out in the road essentially and that's what flooded us like the road became a river and that's what came into us but this time it's completely different because the river actually did burst its bank and it was mm. like a tsunami what came into us yeah because i was parking by the river a while ago and i looked down it you literally are like feet away from this torrent that just came into your house now you said that michael martin came down and that you met him and you were talking to him did he come in? Did anyone did. come in? Did. Michael Martin around? came in where you he was sitting where you were. Well, he wasn't sitting because there was more to sit, but he was like, um, he did have a look around and he did 
like he did seem very sympathetic and he kind of said all the right things that we wanted to hear at the time he was going to tear up the humanitarian document and uh, kind of resubmit something new but it kind of stopped there when he once he left yeah that was the last we heard and that was the last that was done so like it's the the issue of the risk of future flooding is big for us now here um, I know there's other estates here in Glamire and they were given a pump that if there's um, if there's a weather warning they can pump the water off you know into the park and save their houses but that won't even work for us here because we have no land to pump the water off to. When you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mm-hmm. There is a flood relief um, plan in place. Yeah, I have the documents and, the, and there's, there's drawings and all. Now, they, that, now, nothing, there's been no move on that. That's been there for years. They don't move. Well, there is movement on it, actually. They've begun it over there by Hazelwood. Right. But it's just, in the plans, it was, um, was going to be two to two and a half years before it came over here outside Copper Valley. And we did meet with Saracens and the city engineer, and they have both agreed to accelerate that plan. Mm. They are willing to start it over here in July 2024. And the reason for it being in July is because the fishery board actually has a ban on any work being done in the water until July. What? So essentially, the fish are more important than us at the moment. So. Hang on a second. Now, your, your house has been waist deep in water. There's a plan in place that would prevent that happening. The city engineers are willing to accelerate that. Quick, stop me if I'm wrong here now. No, you're right. But because of fish, they can't start quickly. That's exactly it. They said it was illegal to do any work in the water before the 1st of July. (laughs) So, yeah, it sounds like a joke, but it's true. It feels like a joke. It doesn't feel real. You, you know, like, I don't know, if we put on fish costumes and jumped into the water, maybe it might accelerate it. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, all jokes aside, it's beyond ridiculous. It's absolutely crazy. It's absolutely crazy. 
So the next issue is we have no kind of emergency plan in place. So if there is to be a heavy rainfall between now and whatever stage after July that that work is um, is being carried out. There is nothing in place. So this is where now I'm saddened to tell you that we are desperate here and that we've been forced to set up a GoFundMe page. We would have had nothing at all if it wasn't for the goodwill of our own community and now we're being forced to ask for their help again. And I just think this isn't fair. Who has set up the GoFundMe and what's it for? So the GoFundMe is set up for us to be able to purchase some kind of a barrier for the entrance to the estate. Like there'll be no money whatsoever out of that GoFundMe will go into any individual home. Mm -hmm. Like we're all planning ourselves to purchase our own flood barriers for our driveways Mm -hmm. and do the work, you know, between the houses where we'll have to build walls and we'll have to do work on the drainage, you know, getting non-return valves and that before we start on the rebuild of our houses. And we've all agreed that we're going to try to fund that ourselves. But there is no point in us saving up our money and starting that work if we have no protection from the entrance to the estate. Mm -hmm. So the GoFundMe um, account is essentially just to give us protection at the the entrance to the estate. How does it feel to have to do that as a group of people here? It's it's awful. Like I mean, it's a month in now, and we've only just set it up just out of sheer desperation. Because as I say, like there was no one coming to help us. The pe- any help that we have got has just been the goodwill of our own people, and to feel that we have to go back and ask them. I mean, we're all we're all working class people here. We've never asked for anything ever in our lives, mm-hmm. and now we feel that we have to just beg to just you know if you can just help us with this entrance to the estate because if that's not done there's such a high chance that we will be flooded again for a third time we're only into November it's been a wet summer there's so many odds against us Mm -hmm. that really like we can't sleep we can't rest until we have some form of protection it's almost like there was huge interest in you while the water was halfway up the wall now that the water is gone so has all the interest. At least that's what it looks like to me. And that's what it feels like. And I think, you know, when they started to talk about the humanitarian fund and taking out all the loops that people had to jump through and everything, that everyone seems to have assumed that we were sorted out. I think the other issue is when people drive past the estate, I suppose you do see lights on upstairs and, you know, we are trying to live here in the houses, so I think people have just assumed everything... What else are you supposed to do for guts? Well, I mean, the reality of it, I work late nights, like, I've been getting home there, you know, it's been after nine there some nights, and, like, the house is dark, everyone's upstairs... It's like walking into a building site. Mm-hmm. So I can come in and turn on the kettle and, you know, make myself a cup of soup. And, like, last week we didn't have... We were sitting here now on the garden, <laughs> the patio furniture. But, like, last week you come in and it was, you know, make yourself a cup of soup. And then I'm standing there at the worktop and I'm saying to myself, you know, will I stand here now after standing all day and just drink this soup? Or will I bring it up to my bed with me? Mm. 
and if you decide you're going to bring it up to the bed with you it's like you know you get up to the landing and you're trying to walk along sideways passing out everything you know throwing in boxes and you can just about find your bed and sit there and you go do you know what I don't even want that cup of soup anymore and then you're trying to sleep and there's like so many things going around on in your head you know if it's raining forget it because you're up looking out the window and you might as well have a community meeting outside there in front of the stream because we're all be at the same thing there must be an awful sense of helplessness Ashling, when it does rain you must get scared Oh, you definitely get scared, and you like the only thing is that there is like there's 23 houses here flooded now this time, and like we're all looking at each other, we all have the same expression on our faces, and at least you know, I think we're all going through phases. Someone you know might turn up and they're like having a look, they might come into me for a look at my house and go, or what are you doing with this or that, or I might be down to them saying, (laughs) you know, coming up with ideas, how are we going to fix it what's the point in doing any of it but at least like we're all kind of bleeding the same blood here like we're all in the same situation Mm -hmm. and at least while we're here we have each other to kind of bounce off and try to pick each other up as we go along like behind every single house like I know everyone over here and there's there's a different story playing out behind every door there you know normal life is continuing on like there's one house there's a there's a girl and she's trying to do her leaving search and you're looking at you know we've already had a month of upheaval this isn't going to be fixed this side of christmas you know the last time it took five months it's pop- and we were insured so i'm expecting it to be even slower this time mm. like she's going to be on top of her leaving search how are you one, one of yours is it no not one of mine it's one of the neighbours but I know I've had, I had two of mine I had junior and leaving start last year and I know what it's like in in a house to have you know the whole house is doing the exam with the child that's right I mean for her to try to study in that house in these conditions and in behind every door here there's another story playing out you know mm-hmm. everybody has their normal life to cope with and you're still trying to go to work. I mean, we, I mean, if it's raining, we're standing out there going, actually, can we go to work? If you don't go to work, you don't get paid, which adds to the stress again, because mm-hmm. how are you going to fund anything? Yeah. So yeah. it's like despair all around, really. From where we're sitting, I can see your little business outside in the back. Now, you're not able to use that right now because people would be coming through a building site but you did get somewhere else to work I did and I was so lucky like you know the entire community and that's that's why I really didn't want to go down the GoFundMe route because the community have been amazing and they did allow me to take over a room down there in the Glamire GAA hall and it's like like that's my silver lining in all of this because at least I can you know walk away from here and I can go over there and I can you know get on with my day's work and then when I come back here I just continue there's nights there I've finished work at nine o'clock and I'm back over here on my hands and knees trying to scrape the plaster off of the walls or the floors and just continue to go until you just you know it's not like you can sit down anywhere anyway you work until you're ready to sleep and you try to go to bed and you can't sleep anyway so up early hours of the morning and you just continue it's it's like you did nothing the day before you're constantly back at square one it's trauma this is trauma yeah yeah I, I, it is I think like I feel when I'm talking to you now 
that I'm talking about someone else. I think I'm talking on behalf of everyone else and it nearly doesn't feel like it actually happened to me at all because I've had to go through the story, I suppose, dealing with the public in the beauty salon and everything. I've been asked over and over about the flooding and different things and it's like I have to detach myself from it so that I can actually talk to it without crying to every person I meet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're holding it together so, really well. Um, we chatted about Dominic, your husband, and you know he's doing his best being an electrician, but he has a bad back. Your, your kids were in around chatting a while ago. How are they doing? How are they handling this? I find it's, it's much harder on the kids this time. Like mine, they were all primary school seven years ago, so like you could give them out to you know send them off on a play date whilst behind the scenes we were running around getting our quotes and sorting things out and like we had insurance the last time and we were really lucky that the holiday homes down in in Vienna Woods were available and we had, we were moved down there so the kids really you know the, yeah they were traumatized at the start the last time from having to be taken out the windows and taken away on people's backs and stuff but this time, like, they're so aware of it. Like, I had to take them into town after the flood there and, and rebuy. I mean, it was only October. I'd only bought their new uniforms and their shoes and everything. Mm. And look, like, it wasn't like they got wet. This was the sewers that they were walking in. They were up to their necks in it. So I had to replace this, the uniforms and the jackets and the school shoes. And one of my daughters turned around to me and she said, Mom, I'll do without a jacket, you know. You can use that money towards a washing machine. Oh, God. And you're going, this is the reality. There's another child down the road, a little six-year-old. And last week, she wrote a letter to the tooth fairy. And she was asking the tooth fairy, you know, not to leave her money to give the money to her mum and dad because they got flooded. Oh you know, a six-year-old writing to the tooth fairy about the floods, it's it's sad. For kids to be, to be looking at it that way, I don't know, it's like Halloween ended and on the 1st of November it turned into Christmas. And I know, like, one of mine was at a disco there for Halloween and they were having, you know, they had... Um, they started playing Christmas songs after midnight and then it was Christmas and they were saying, you know, can the Christmas trees go up? And I'm like... Oh we are exactly God, like, <laughs> It's just surreal to even think that Christmas is around the corner yeah. because... Yeah. I know I know, we're laughing here, but there must be moments in the last month or so when you kind of said, well, either we laugh or we start crying again. There's been a lot of them. The whole thing just sounds so unbelievable. That And there's just, it's like, I don't know, it's like an onion there. There's so many layers to it and so many different angles that have to be fought. Mm-hmm. We all love our homes. We all love to sit in our homes and look around at what we've done as a family and what we've built and what we've made for ourselves. It must break your heart to sit here and look at this. It's just unbelievable. Like, I was only 23 years old when I got the mortgage on this house. Like, we've had 20 years of everything that we've had has been put into into the house. And, you know, there was times we didn't go on the, the mad holidays or we didn't do anything like myself and Dominic. We were both young when we met and basically our whole life savings has gone into this house mm-hmm. uh, and been replaced only seven years ago. And to, to think like that we've had to do it, like actually, 
ironically it's it's my birthday tomorrow and I was meant to be going away for the weekend with a school friend that I know since I'm four and it's like it was meant to be the first time in 40 years that I've ever gone away with the girl and sure that's gone out the window now as well with everything else it's like everything has stopped it's like I don't know I feel like maybe I should have partied on there for the last 20 years and spent every penny I owed because like what was the point in doing anything with this house and the other thing is, like, you know, if we get flooded for a, th- for a third time, I've been told that the strop, like, our house is described as being substantially flooded now twice. Yeah. So if it's to be re-flooded in the next couple of months, then, you know, there's so much damage to the structure of the house at that point that I'm being told that the houses, that there'll be some of us will need to be knocked to the ground. Oh, God. So, I mean, where, where do you go with that? Where do you go? I don't know. Do you just live with it as it is and <laughs> get on with it? I don't know. You met Michal Martin at the yeah. time. Um, if he is listening, and they do in his office, and he gets to hear of the stuff that we talk about on this show, address him directly, Ashling. Take a minute. Address Mr. Martin directly. God, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, well, he, he, you know... You came down to our house and you did visit us, you spent time with us and you did look so sympathetic for us and, you know, you did agree that that humanitarian fund was unfit for purpose and I remember when when he was here I couldn't even find a pair of shoes to put on and I was telling him there's no way like I can find the mindset to fill out a document like that right now. And he did. He agreed it was unfit for purpose, and that he was going to rewrite a new document without the loops. Uh, he was also going to look at the whole insurance situation. And I just want to say, look, we're weeks out for Christmas. You can see you, everything is at a at a standstill. So I would just like to know that we have some security that you know we're going to get some help from somewhere. I just want to say, look, Mr. Martin, Michal, can you please, please do something for us before this happens again? Just please put some emergency measures in place so that we can sleep at night and let us know that there's some help or some funding on the way. Ashley, I wish you well. I, I, I really do wish you luck with, with, the, with the months ahead. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time and thanks for being so responsive to every call and message that's been sent between yourself and Fargal and I know like it, it hasn't been a, a nine to five job either for you answering messages from me but you've answered everything and like you've been on the ball with it all and you out of everyone else outside of the community you know it has felt like you actually did care well, we did and we do and we, well, we talk again Ashley thank you very much that's Ashley McAvoy with me yesterday in her house in uh, Copper Valley, she's given me details of some fundraisers which will be happening over the next couple of weeks. And I promise I'll give them uh, to you. But to spend half an hour, nearly an hour in the house uh, was... <laughs> when you have a house of your own that is warm and dry and watertight um, and you go down and see what an influx of water can do, you go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You've no idea until you're sitting there. And I also want to mention uh, my three new friends that I made yesterday 
I don't mean the rest of the family. Well, I do mean the rest of the family. The little white rabbit, whose name I didn't get. The little guinea pig who went hiding. And my beautiful new friend, Betty the dog. Hello to them all. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. They can call me. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The weekend. On Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity gossip. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors for the Volkswagen ID Buzz. Fully electric, fully connected, and full of new ideas. NewmarketVolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. We've spent this hour marking. Uh, one month on from uh, Storm Babette and, and the damage it did, the unspeakable damage it did to Middleton and Glenmire in particular, but right across uh, the city and county. Stephen Fox has been to both Middleton and Glenmire Forest to talk to residents and business people. And the first person that Stephen met in Glenmire was Shirley. We had drains blocked from Sunday, rang Irish Water yesterday and Cork County Council came out to fix it. Mm-hmm. So I did get my drains cleared last week. I, I got everything washed down on the outside because there was raw sewage everywhere. So the flood happened on the 18th of October. No, what date to do is today. It's uh, the 14th of November. I'm living uh, with no downstairs pretty much. So Vienna Woods gave us a, a, a hundred euros voucher to every household, which was wonderful. And we, and Dave and I went for a beautiful dinner last Saturday. And also Radisson Blue offered two nights in the Little Island Hotel, which again was wonderful. And we got lots of help. Ellis, or Elise, I'm not sure how they pronounce it, but they're a laundry service in Glanmire. They gave us 70% alcohol to disinfect, which was wonderful. They gave us mats. They gave us bales of tiles. There was food coming to the door. I'm not sure how or where it came from, but I'm grateful for everyone. And interestingly, so on the insurance side, um, so the, all these houses here are perpendicular to my house and behind me got flooded in 2015 and I lost the insurance for my flood. Hmm. And on the 18th of October, my house policy was due for renewal Oddly enough, I didn't renew on the day because that's the day I got flooded. And now they're not going to (laughs) insure me for anything and I cannot get insurance anywhere else. Claire Costello Mm -hmm. from New Line Brooklash Glamour County Cork. We were flooded there three weeks ago. We're kind of the people that were forgotten because there's six houses on this road. We were the only house flooded. And then a half a mile up the road as well to the east, there was one other house. So what happened then that you got flooded? And then, so your neighbours either side weren't flooded? No. what do you think happened there? So to be honest um, the water just flowed down the road like a river. The current was unreal. Crazy. I just came back from doing the school run mm. and I was like where did the water come from? Or worry going forward. There is no plan no procedure in place to prevent this from happening again. It's great that at the moment 
moment there's resources for Copper Valley View but my question is to the council what's in place for us going forward so if the flood relief is stopping down at Copper Valley there's nothing for us what are we going to do going forward flood again so we've had three industrial humidifiers they're actually still going with my kitchen inside I can't if we're in the house during the day I can't have them on until night time we go to bed because we also have a, a child with a um, compromised immune system so obviously the dampness is bad for him but obviously the humidifier going is bad for him as well going forward for ourselves we need to try and get a flood barrier in place to protect it from happening again but um, we're trying to resource flood barriers um, and obviously then the other side of that then is where to locate them and the cost of them you know but I suppose that's priorities maybe get flood barriers to the front you know and God alone knows the size of the electricity bills those poor people are going to have those industrial humidifiers hoover power Oh, God, you really do feel for them a month on. In Middleton, they've been on from CBS Primary to say they have a charity walk or a sponsored walk Friday at 10. They're calling it Reindeers on the Run, going from the school down through the main street back up to the school uh, to spread festive cheer ahead of the Christmas lights being turned on on Sunday. They also have an I Donate page that has so far raised 21,000 and they'd really appreciate a mention to try and raise even more funds that will go to the charity work around Middleton and surrounding areas. Uh, thanks for that. More than welcome. More than welcome. 0818 96 96 96. A month ago today. It's a day so many people across the county will never forget. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing. Focus solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. It is that time of year again. It is 40 days to Christmas. 40 days today is... Christmas, and of course, nobody wants their child to be homeless at Christmas, but it happens, and it'll happen again this year, which is why at uh, Cork's 96 FM, we're joining forces with Cork Simon to ask you to host a Christmas jumper day to ensure the help is at hand for those who need it most. You can sign up really easy to this. You go to corksimon.ie, arrange your Christmas jumper day anytime, anywhere. Hold it at work, at school, at home, even online. And in doing so, you'll raise vital funds for Cork Simon this Christmas. And proudly supported by Cork's 96FM. John Arnold was on. John made our week uh, last week. We had a heavy old week. And on Friday, he came on to tell me about his, his passport. And it was one of the most hilarious conversations we've had on this programme in many, many a long day. John was having trouble getting his passport photo cleared online. We think because he has a slightly wonky eyebrow. But And that podcast is up there if you want to find it. Trust me, trust me, it'll, it'll brighten up the dullest old day for you. John got on to say he got his passport. Yes, that is such good news. John got his passport. <laughs> 
It arrived this morning at long, long last. 0818969696. Paul Byrne was on earlier on this morning, as was Councillor John Maher, about that shooting incident on the north side of the city last evening. Um, and we had a call just asking us to point something out in relation to the incident that happened the woman and the child being rammed into and the shots being fired they said it was over a feud the lady concerned is not involved in any feud and asked us to point that out we're happy to do so uh, we know her we know her uh, she's no involvement in anything she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time it shouldn't have happened anyway but she had no involvement she's a very quiet person who keeps to herself and happy to clarify that happy to clarify that detail of course now, a new book out is called Stories from the Heart of Ireland, and it's a wonderful idea in support of Make-A-Wish Ireland to help them with their work to make dreams come true for young children with life-threatening conditions. And Kate Durant, who... Kate, you, you've been writing kind of as a hobby for a while, but over the last couple of years, you've got published... You've got broadcasting on the BBC. You've become a little writer-in-residence in your own right down there in Blarney. You've got one but two stories in this book. <laughs> Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, writer-in-residence. I like that. Yeah, well, I think, uh, when, yeah, when we even talk, if I'm the only one who uses the title, I'll take it. Well, you're a writer-in-residence in your own house. That's, that's the way I look at yes, it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, we've talked before, Kate, about you and your love of writing, but you only really began to take it seriously in the last few years. Oh, do you know, I have the pandemic to thank for that. I think like a lot of people, there was that little window of time, wasn't there, where you never had it. And and I suppose a realisation too that, that life had changed so much that I think things we would have been putting on the long finger and saying, we'll do one day. You kind of went, God, when's one day going to be? You know, like one day we're going to run out of time. And as you get older, and I, I'm in my mid 50s now, I think you don't you know you're going to regret the things you didn't try and you're not scared of making a fool of yourself anymore and you're prepared to put yourself out there because it doesn't matter if you fail but you're going to be really cross with yourself if you don't try so it's kind of a combination of all those things i think mm. you're very involved of course with irish dogs for the disabled and one of your stories mm. they're both about dogs really but uh, one story is about watching a dog have pups Yes, yeah, a very, very special time in our life. It, again, that was during the pandemic, my perfect pandemic pups. And, uh, yeah, we, we foster dogs for dogs with disabled. We have for a long time. They're a fabulous charity. And uh, Jasmine, who lives with us, she came to us as an eight-week-old puppy. She's part of their breeding program, which is a very ethical program. They only take two litters off a dog, and it's all done as they do everything just so well. So on December the 1st, which, funnily enough, was four years to the day that she'd come to live with us, um, she went into labour and she had six puppies. She had Nancy and Nullig and Neville and Niall and Noddy and Professor Neil Green. And we had the most incredible 10 weeks of my life. Yeah. And they still, oh, they all it, went on to become assistants. Oh, dogs, yeah, they're then. all, they are, five of them are working now. They're all, they're nearly three now, obviously. They'll be three on December the 1st. And um, one of them, Nancy, there was, there was two, two, two girls, two bitches in the litter, Nancy and Nolig. Nolig is working. And Nancy, who lives in Kerry Pike, who uh, I see most mornings, she walks with her mum, Jasmine. Uh, she'll take over from Jasmine to keep this line going because they breed their own dogs and they, they, they have to make sure, obviously, the temperament of the dog is fine. They're, they're slightly smaller dogs too. A lot of our children who are paired with them 
they 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 might mightn't grow as tall maybe as other children. So Jen Jen who owns the charity has put so much work into this. So Nancy will take over, and then the other five are working. There's two working with people who are wheelchair users, so they would be picking stuff up off the floor for them, opening doors, taking their shoes and socks off. Mm. Um, there are three of them working as stability dogs, so they'll work with children who maybe have cerebral palsy or some kind of a stability issue, and it's wonderful because. Rather than going into school with a frame or a wheelchair, you're walking with the dog who's on on a hard frame mm-hmm. um, and the dog is keeping you upright. And what a difference to a child rather than yeah. being the child in the wheelchair. The child with the dog, I mean, you're, you're kingpin then, aren't you? That's right. They're extraordinary animals to, to watch them work. Mm. I've had the privilege of being out at, at the training centre. Well, I'm just, no, Imra's noticing here, your, your dogs are all like the Kardashians, except their names start with N. Yes, it, that's an assistance dog thing. You have to go by the year. So I was really lucky because if you get the cues and that, you can only imagine some of the dog's names. And um, so, yeah. Oh, so, so there's a letter so for each year, yeah? Yeah, so that's how you can age them. Like I have, I have three dogs. I have two retired dogs and Jasmine. So I've got Fleur, who would be Jasmine's aunt. So she's, and then two years later, I've got Hugo. So F-G-H, and then I've got Jasmine, J. And <laughs> the, yeah, and Fleur and, and uh Jasmine talking being both they were both born in the Dorcas Centre in Mountjoy Women's Prison. Crikey, tell me more. Yeah, the uh, yeah, it's part of a it's again that this charity is so ethical, which is why I love it so much. It starts from they they they're involved in a pops for prisoners program. Um so within Mountjoy Women's Centre, there aren't too many uh, women in, in jail in Ireland, as you know. So, so people who are in for a long time, or people who are serving a life service, that they, they, if if it works out, that we have a dog living in the prison, it goes home with one of the warders every night, and so obviously it changes the whole atmosphere in the prison. The the ladies who have them love them and look after them so well, which gives them an opportunity as well to to do something for society because whatever's happened to put them in there or whatever they did to put them in there, whichever way you look at it, um, it gives them a chance to give back or to do something constructive. Um, And obviously they've got a lot of time, and I say that with respect, they've got a lot of time to put into the puppies. So Jasmine and Fleur uh, were both born there and they're the most beautiful dogs, uh, Mm -hmm. thanks in no small part to the ladies who looked after them from when they were born. Yeah, all of so it's dogs, amazing, isn't it? They are fantastic. They all have their own personality too. Now, how did they get on with Naomi Campbell? Who the hell is Naomi Campbell? I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> who isn't it? Well, sorry, I do know who Naomi Campbell is, but I don't. I, I, I is there don't a think cat? My is there a cat calling um, Naomi Campbell? You know, oh, they could be. I mean. Yeah, they do. They, they would have, in dogs with disabled, they've got a rabbit, they've got a cat, they've got, because a lot of the, the dogs that go into the homes where the children live, there's other pets. Um, so all of our all of our dogs, they got on fine with cat, cats, they got on with rabbits. Yeah. The, Chris, no, nobody's told them not to, so it's fine, you know, they just they just love everything. It's great, isn't have it? Have you a cat in, in a neighbourhood cat there that keeps an eye on them? And there is, them? yeah. Well, there's a neighbourhood cat that strides across our garden, like somebody on a catwalk model so I just call her Naomi Campbell and she strides across and this is what gets me up most mornings because she seems to sashay across the garden at about five o'clock half past five because the dogs go ballistic she just (laughs) smirks because that's what cats do isn't it and then they run out and she just sits on the ledge and looks at them so it's all a yeah it starts the day off Nice yeah. and lively. Yeah, it, uh, to come down in the morning, as I do, to come down in the morning and there's anything from two to four animals in my kitchen, uh, depending <laughs> on where the cats have spent the night, it, 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 is, it, it is great. And you have to mind them, don't you? They're like little children. 
that well yeah I, I would say because I don't think my children are listening I'd say they're probably nicer than children but anyway um, they, do you know what they fill a great gap I mean my, my kids are adults they're gone they're gone a long time and uh, so they fill that gap of wanting to love something and it's funny I mean you know with your own animals I can walk past people all day and just smile or say nothing but you can't pass a dog or a cat without throwing yourself down on the floor or on the couch and tell them how much you love them I don't know what they bring out in us um and, and actually, funny, you were talking about that lovely gentleman, which I did hear, the passport thing, which was so funny, and eyebrows. Apparently, dogs dogs have eyebrows, as you know, but yeah. that's nature, kind of. But for them to evolve and for them to become a part of the family in the way they have, they, they, they've evolved to have eyebrows, so they look quite like us. I mean, we've got two of the, our dogs are retrievers, and they do smile. They've got a smiling face and they've got eyebrows and they're very like human faces in a way. And apparently this is nature, the way they've, they've dogs have evolved. And that's part of the reason they've become part of the family. Yeah. And this is why a lot of assistance dogs are um, Labradors and Retrievers too, because they look smiley, they look happy. There are other dogs that would be very good assistance dogs too, but you, you've, they've got to look the part as well. They've got to look, I suppose, approachable you know so this is so just on every level it works yeah yeah i've often said that if you've never had a dog live with you you don't know what it's like you'll always be welcome home the people you Mm -hmm. live with might not always welcome you home you might get a grunt out of them but the dog will always (laughs) welcome you home well they do say that every parent of teenagers should have a dog so at least someone's pleased to see you when you walk in the door (laughs) it's very it's very true there's another lovely story they have in the book about tea with your dad tell me that one Oh, yeah, Dad. Um, gosh, my dad's gone 17 years now and he lived with us for, for the last year of his life. He he spent his life in England. And then when he became very unwell, he came back to live with us in Blarney, which was just fantastic. My kids were small at the time. And uh, I'd, after Dad died, he lived with us for about a year and then he died. Uh, and, I, you know, I got rid of everything, but there was a few things I hung on to. And one of them were, were these mugs and they were awful they were these fine bone china mugs with these horrible kind of rosy patterns on them but dad had bought them and he'd he'd said to me one day i was making a cup of coffee in one of them and he said they're very expensive mugs you know and he explained how he picked one out when he was doing his shopping week by week and so it's very difficult to give them away so every time I thought of it, every time I had to clear out of the cupboard, I'd put them out, wrap them, and then I'd look at them and go, I can't do this, back into the cupboard. But eventually, off they went. Wrapped them up in newspaper, took them down to the local charity shop. Off they went. Never saw them again. And and about four months later, I was with a client, they've got a warehouse, and went to make myself a cup of tea, opened their cupboard in the warehouse, and Dad's mugs were staring at me. (laughs) All four of them. Not mugs like them they were just they were the exact same mugs they were dad's mugs that he bought home from england when he come 17 years before so obviously i bought them home <laughs> so that's it so they're there in the cupboard and they'll be there until until i die i imagine then my kids will have the problem of trying to get rid of them then yeah, yeah funny so you wasn't that lovely that wasn't was it? a lovely story Th- those you were you were you were meant to have those those mugs but you know that yeah, the tie-in yeah. between your dad and and everything else like if you, yeah. you remind me there and how dogs are around my own story that I tell and you identify with this because of, um, the night my dad died I was sitting in the, the and animals get into your soul Yeah, I, I was sitting in the kitchen it was fairly late um, in fact it was closer to morning than night and I I'd had a few drinks and I was sitting there in the kitchen and as you can imagine now I was a little bit I was mm. 
Mopey, as you devastated. would be. And devastated yeah, was yeah. a word for it, yeah. And I was trying to think of what I was going to say at his funeral, even at that stage. Uh, and I was sitting there at, I suppose, four o'clock in the morning. Everybody else had gone to bed. And Harry got out of his basket, came over, and put one paw on my knee. Uh, and you know the way they can bore into your eye, into your soul? Yeah. He just said, I don't yeah. know what's wrong, but kind of thing. I'm if he could talk, you know. Yeah. And that's the and thing I, of a relationship with a dog. It's so special, isn't it? It's incredible. I, I don't know. I, and I've said this to people and, and you get an instant recognition and you'll be the same. Did you ever, you know, you're sitting at night and, and like that and you're looking into their eyes. Do you ever kind of look and say, but who are you really? Who's really in there? Because there seems too much of them to be just a dog. Like you said, who are you? Who sent you? Who 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 are you really? You know, it's it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's a love unlike any other love that you would ever feel in your life. It's 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 just so different. It's like do, do you give your dogs voices? Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> Why have all these mad conversations? And then if you say to one of them, if I say to Hugo, you're the best boy, and then I look at Fleur and say, but you're the best old girl, and then I look at Jasmine and say, and you're the best little girl, in case they think that I'm favouring one over the other. I mean, yeah. it's mad, isn't it, when yeah. you think about it? Yeah, or when they need to be groomed. You know, you give them a voice, I need a bloody haircut, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grooming, it's like tumbleweed here. I walk in between the three of them. But, you know, when they're with the, when I, when you see the dogs with, with some of the children we've got, and I often think, you know, what, whatever disability, whatever physical disability somebody may have, <sighs> you can live without a lot, but you can't live without love. And I see yeah, kids, they come and they're paired with the dogs when they're about eight or nine, when they're old enough to, to own a dog themselves, if you like, and to, to, to take out ownership of one and then they're heading into kind of preteen and teenage which is difficult for any child and particularly difficult for somebody that's a little bit different um and i think to have the dog there to have that love there all the yeah. time to have you know that it, that's life-changing whatever yeah. else they do for the children which is an awful lot you know it's it's life-changing i mean you look at the likes of little oliver lynch do you remember he walked five kilometers yes. when and it takes it takes oliver 45 minutes to walk 100 metres and he walked 5 kilometres to raise funds for us and the children's hospital and he's got his lovely dog Mo and you see him out you know and people will talk and it starts a conversation and it's oh Oliver what's your dog's name and what does your dog do and how old's your dog and you know it just opens up a conversation, opens up a whole new life I think for the children who are paired with these dogs and and for all of us, all of us lucky enough to be socialising them to have puppies with them, you know we're all touched by this wonderful thing they're an amazing creature and there is a saying and I know you agree with me Kate, we don't deserve Uh, dogs do we? No, no, we absolutely don't you know, and to see the world through their eyes, you know, as Mary Poppins said, there's the whole world at your feet and who gets to see it but the birds, the stars and puppies too, you know because when when you're seeing life through their eyes, when you're seeing life through the enthusiasm of a dog, that everything every meal is the best meal, every walk is the best walk, every stick is fantastic Mm. every leaf is an opportunity to kick it, so when you're with them you know, we talk about mindfulness, we talk about that go and walk a dog, that's all you need and just just live life through their eyes for half an hour. You have a very different day after that. Ain't that the truth? The book is called Stories in the Heart of Ireland. Kate Doran has two uh, stories in it, but uh, the love of dogs is is something we share, the two of us. And I just want to, and I know that lots of our listeners do too. So I just wanted to spend some time talking about that this morning. The book is in aid of Make a Wish Ireland, and it's in all good bookshops now. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six. 
96. You can throw that one up there if you want to, Emer. Just go straight to that and I'll do it before the break because I know he's in a hurry. Um, there's a new thing going on with fitness. It is probably the maddest thing I've ever heard to do with fitness. We all think a walk, right? A walk is good for us. We should all walk. We should all try and get a few thousand steps up a day, says he who struggles to get a few hundred in some days. We should all walk, but what about walking backwards? What about walking, actually walking backwards? That is a thing now. Izzy Show Busy from the B-Drive Home on Cork's 96 FM. Please tell me you haven't tried this, or you have. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. I have kind of tried it. So, speaking of dogs, like if I'm walking my dog, um, like you kind of end up walking backwards sometimes to see where your dog is. That's Mm. the only reason that I would do it. But I have heard about this, and I know people that swear by walking backwards because it's really good for your knee health. So, like, if you're into fitness or you know something about fitness, this is a trend that we might see more of. Um, It's called retro walking, and I think it originated in China. Um, There's kind of rumours as well that the Norwegians would have used it to sled pull, and they have quite good knees. Um, And they also say as well that, like, a hundred steps backwards is a thousand steps forward. So it's just really good for your, your legs. It's really good for your health. And I think physios actually recommend it as well, particularly if you have bad knees. So, I don't know, PJ, maybe we should just hop on the bandwagon. Yeah, but I, I, you'd fall off the treadmill or you'd trip over the pavement, wouldn't you? Erin, no, you wouldn't. Like, as in, like, you know, you're not, like, running backwards. Like, I would be a little bit concerned if someone was trying to do that. But, like, try it, honestly. Next time you go for a walk, see, like, try it and see how it feels well, for you. Um even just like a few steps because it could do wonders. It could do wonders for your legs, you know? And like, I don't know, is this something that we're going to see gyms doing more of like for a warm-up or something like that? I haven't seen any gyms incorporated into warm-ups or workouts. But again, this is like a, you know, craze that might be here to stay. So you never know. Next year we could be like, oh my God, remember when we thought walking backwards was weird? Well, I've done it, you know. Have you? Yes. When I walk from my house to the bus stop, which is only now, it's only about 200 yards, but always, particularly if I'm coming into work, I'll turn and walk maybe 10 or 20 steps backwards to see, is the bus actually coming? <laughs> <laughs> so they, well, that's a good way to do it. It's a good way to start. And your knees are probably thanking you for it, do you know what I mean? Retro. Yeah, are my knees thanking me for it? At the time of the morning I'd be getting the bus, nothing's thanking me for walking in the first <laughs> place. Come here, you've also done a dog fostering for, for dogs for the disabled. Is it rewarding, is he? I absolutely love it. And I would recommend this to anyone, especially, right? There's so many benefits. If you're thinking about getting a dog and you're not ready to fully, fully commit because... You know, sometimes people forget that when they get a dog, it's not just for Christmas, you know that line. With adopting a puppy for dogs, for people with disabilities, they actually provide everything for you and they set you up with a puppy that suits you. So my girl is called Sassy because she has a little bit of a wiggly bum. So obviously they would set her up with me because she's very sassy. And um, she's fantastic. And what's, what's great is, I'll mind her for a year, a year and a half, and then I'll send her back to be trained, and then she'll help someone with 
an intellectual disability, a physical disability, and that's the rewarding part. You know, you get to experience what it's like. Again, if you haven't had a dog before, you know, you can mind this puppy for a year, a year and a half, and figure out if it is for you. But also you have the rewarding benefits of paying it forward. You're doing nice for someone, and you're also getting the benefits yourself. Like, I mean, I love taking her for a walk every day. She's full of Forwards, I'd say. It's not backwards. Forwards, yes, yes, yes. Um, so she's yeah, it's fantastic and it's it's a really lovely thing to do. And as I said, they provide everything for you as well, so it's easy. You know, they they give you the leaves, they give you the dog food, they'll pay for your vet's bills. So it's a, you have that kind of comfort blanket as yeah. well. Um, especially if there's anything that you need to ask about in the early puppy stages, like is this normal? Is this okay? And um, so you have that security blanket as well. And then you have to give them back. That's the hard part. I know. And I, like, like a lot of people said that to me when I told them I was fostering a puppy. They were like, Izzy, you have to give the dog back at some stage. And I'm like, I know. But what I'm going to do is just foster another puppy immediately so that I don't have like an empty house with no dog. There you are. All right, Izzy. Back on the big drive home at four o'clock today, of course, down to TGM. Izzy, show busy. Backwards walking. <laughs> Backwards. So you get on the treadmill, right? You get on the treadmill and you set it up okay and then you turn around and you walk backwards. Or you do your 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 what you may call it, your your lap of the lock backwards. Before you know it, you'd be inside with the ducks. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. Do you ever get a bill in a restaurant or a pub or a bar somewhere and you go, how much? What the hell? Great story in the Daily Mail today about that. But first, the Premier League Live not with us this weekend due to international fixtures. But Trev and the Premier League Live team will return Saturday, November 25th with commentary, interviews and reaction powered by TalkSport. Premier League Live Online is back November 25th. Brought to you by Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You're listening on the Quark's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. So, Lindsay was her name. She's uh, from Belfast. She was in London for the weekend at a five-star hotel. Posh holiday for the weekend. And she admits herself she, she'd had a few drinks. So she decided she'd have a cocktail. Um, a cocktail called the 1890. And she ordered the cocktail. And she... Was a bit surprised when they came out with a bottle of cognac, expensive-looking cognac, and there was gold leaf, gold leaf in the cognac. Crystal is the name of the stuff. And then the guy behind the bar gave her a book to sign. And she went off thinking, I'm in a five-star hotel, this is what happens here. Sat down, drank her cocktail, didn't like it very much, so she said she wouldn't have another one. But then they went to get the get the bill, and eighteen ninety stood for one thousand eight hundred and ninety pounds sterling for this cocktail. It was called the eighteen ninety. She thought it was the price because other drinks were like nineteen pounds fifty, and etc. etc. She thought this one was eighteen. Pounds 90. <laughs> no. It was 1,890 pounds. Now, you don't know what's in it. Like, what was actually in it? 
So there was a bit of panic because she said, I don't have the money for that. And the manager was called. And the manager said, because it's a five-star hotel, look, one way to bed. Be fine. We'll sort this out. And she went down the following day and the manager said to her first, she said, I fired the barman. It's all right. And he said, no, I didn't. It's, I didn't. He said, we've given him a refresher course. <laughs> but can you imagine? Can you just imagine that? To go into the bar and nice posh bar, nice posh hotel. And it's 18, the 1890 is a cocktail. 1890. What's that? 1890. 1,890 pounds sterling for a cocktail. And you thought the pint was expensive in the Temple Bar? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. I mentioned earlier that it's 40 days to Christmas, which means that inside the English market, they are starting now their approach to the busiest couple of weeks of the year and uh, no less busy for anyone like Tom Durkin. Tom Durkin, named last year now, named last year as the best butcher in Ireland at the Butcher's Guild Award. I mean, that's that's so maculate, Tom. But now your spiced beef, which we all knew it anyway. We didn't need anyone to give you an award to tell us that your spiced beef was the best in the country. Tom, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good, and congratulations on, on, on confirming what the rest of us already knew. Is spiced beef, and we're 40 days out from Christmas, so the preparations are starting. Is spiced beef pure cork, or does anybody else do it? It is traditionally pure cork, but it's spread its wings across the country and across Europe at this stage. Um, about 12 years ago, when we started winning awards, we've won numerous of them over the years, um, people started buying spiced beef from us. It was something that was on the menu in one or two restaurants up then. Mm. Now it's on every second restaurant you go into, they have it on the menu. It's become part of the stable diet in Cork, but it spread its wings to Dublin, Limerick, and across the country and Europe. What's the origin of it, Tom? Was it invent? It was invented here, was it? Yeah, the origin was traditionally, or going back years ago, when ships didn't have refrigeration. They needed some way to preserve the meat that was going out in ships. So they salted it initially and discovered that if they spiced it and dried it out, it would last even longer. So the spiced beef was a stable diet for ships leaving Cork, going on long journeys. They had meat for weeks afterwards when it was spiced. So that's where it originated. It was a British invention, was it? That we adopted um, no, or did we do it? No, did we do it here for the British? We no, we won't give it to the British. No, it was just in Cork, Cork would have been victling boats and ships right. on the Cork Harbour for years. So they came up with different ways of storing meat. And that was one of the ways they preserved the meat. I see. It was to spice it. That's where it originated from. And when did it become associated with quill? I know you can get it all year round, but when did it become associated with Christmas then? That is before my time. I don't know. But traditionally, it was only available at Christmas. We started doing it throughout the year. And thus, it started appearing in restaurant menus throughout the year for people. So yeah, yeah, it, 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 I can remember growing up. My mother would put a would put on her own in a big pot in the kitchen, and there'd be a smell of cloves. You get it down the down the street. What's the traditional spice that goes into it? Like, what do you what, what do you spice yours with? Or is oh, that secret? If I told you, no, primarily pimento and cloves. Yeah, they would be the primary ingredient. 
Now there's pepper, salt, juniper berries, everything else goes into it. But primarily pimento and cloves. Mm. They would be the base of the spice. Now the salting of the meat prior to that is an important part of it as well to make sure you've got the right amount of salt and it's not too salty and there's enough salt in it. It's a balancing act, but we have ways of doing that too. Yeah. And it works evenly. How long does it take to prepare a good piece then? From a the start, you, you, get, you get the piece of beef, bit of raw beef, how long does it take to prepare it? I'd say to do it properly takes at least a month. Really? Ideally two months, yeah. Wow. Because you want the spices to right through the meat. You don't want to just cover it in spice. You have it sitting in the spices. So you infuse the meat with the spices, if you like. It's sitting there so long. So all your Christmas stock is is uh, marinating oh, away nicely, is it? I just pray that I've got the right amount. Yeah. With 40 days to go, is it getting busy in there, Tom? Yes, spice beef is already selling because you have expats and tourists coming in and buying spice beef now to have at home for Christmas. Mm. Locals will come in com, but people travel. Like, I have women appear every year. They get the free train down from Dublin because they're elderly and they come down and buy their spice beef really? a week or two before Christmas. Really? Asked to meet them. They come down, they go for a few drinks in the mutton lane in, come in, buy the spice beef and head back for Dublin. It's a day out for them. Yeah. But um, it's going all over the country. Good. Is the market getting busy now? I mean, is there anticipation of a good season? I know it's been a difficult year for retail. Uh, it, there's always anticipation of a good Christmas. And Christmas normally comes good. How good it's going to be, we don't know. We're in unsettled times at the moment, so God only knows what it's going to bring this year. Mm. People are nervous with two wars going on. Yeah. Oh, it's... You know yourself, if you want anything done at this stage... People have reasons not to do it, so it's very hard to get anything done, mm -hmm. you know? There's a thing with regard to the, the war and the tragic situation in Gaza and indeed in Ukraine. Like, your meat is sourced locally, but has it affected your sourcing spices? I know some a lot of good spice stuff comes from the Middle East, like. No, we're okay on spices. We would carry a stock of spices, so, yeah. like, we have enough spices to do us for Christmas this year and probably into January and February already in stock, you know? Good. So, we don't have a we just pre-order that stuff well, well in advance. I don't have any problems getting it, being honest. Mm. The, the, the the best butcher in Ireland, according to the Butcher's Guild, that was a pride mo proud moment for you. Uh, Any time you get an award, it's an acknowledgement of the hard work that my team put in more so than me. Mm. How many have you got there now? To, there's three of them in there, right. plus my wife, plus funds fall in with a family business it's whoever's available on the day you know yeah. it depends what's on as to who's working and is like all my your wife would be dragged go on for Christmas no voted you know mm. is all of your meat sourced locally as well Tom still yeah yeah everything is Irish and as local as possible now we travel further afield to find good meat but most of it's local I'd be buying a lot of stuff in the Ballincollig area a lot of stuff in the Middleton area but it's wherever I can find good meat is where I'll buy it. Yeah, well, as you know, I'm the only one in my house that actually eats the spiced beef. So I'll, I'll be in for a few a few slices of it before the Christmas. Tom Durkin, purveyor of Ireland's finest spiced beef. But then we knew that. Then we knew that. Thanks, Tom. Uh, 40 days to go to Christmas. They're, they're livening up inside in the English market. No doubt we'll talk to them rather a lot. Now, Crossy gets to meet all of the stars uh, last night he got to meet the
Dua Lipa. I mean, by the way, congratulations on a new gig, first of all, young man. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a, a wild couple of days now. So, yeah, brand new record show in Dublin. Um, and it's just been hit the ground running this week. I'm kind of like, I just want a, a holiday now. And they're like, no, no, you're here till Christmas. So you need to relax. <laughs> I pointed one of the presenters of the Breakfast Show on one of our wireless group stations, our good friends at FM 104. Crossy, you met Dua Lipa. What's she like? Do you know what? She is stunning. Absolutely stunning and really down to earth. Sometimes I find, you know, when celebrities and singers, they kind of get that treatment of everyone around them, that they become a bit up on themselves. Mm. She is the exact same as she was when she came into my studio about eight years ago from a flight, a Ryanair flight. And she and she was saying that she got a Toyota Aorus, you know, the, the taxis, the yeah. hybrids. Got one of them back of the car, jumped in here, did her interview, and she's the exact same now with all her millions. Well, that's great, so, isn't it? Because back then, no one really knew who she was. She was just this up-and-coming young pop star. And, and like you said, Ryanair flight and a taxi into the studio. And now she's got limos and... Does she have the private plane? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? More than likely, it probably is a private plane. Um, she's great, you know. I would presume now next year we're going to start here and there's going to be gigs right across the world she's also got two movies coming out next year right. so this girl is proper you know she already is huge I feel like I sound like Louis Walsh here she, she already is huge but I think next year it's just going to it's going to ramp it up now to Taylor Swift level I think ooh that's big she's got a new song out called Houdini yeah, oh, it's a great song. It's a great hook to it as well. I come, then I'll go Houdini is one of the lines. I got to ask her a question about song, about the track, and here's what she had to say. The song is like the hook of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank we're, you. Were people, when they heard it first, going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. This is Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's quite like... Um... Yeah, it's it's this dark, clubby track that definitely gets people dancing and and it always it always got a good reaction. But it's funny, you know, when 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 I play stuff for the first time to like my family and friends, that's really when I hear things differently and I'm like, oh, maybe I need to change this part or maybe this needs a bit of work or this gets better reaction or whatever. Um, so it helps me like analyze my work differently. But I'm really, really proud of this record and proud of the album. And I'm excited for everyone to to hear more. Something there. She's still as conscious that it sounds right for the people closest to her as she was when she brought her first record. 100%. And one thing that I always want to know about stars like this, do they forget about radio? Do they forget about where, you know, they hear, like people would hear the songs and all that. It's not because we work in radio. I always find it's important that, you know, if you walk into a spa, if you walk into, jump into a taxi or whatever, there's always going to be a radio on and you're going to hear a song subconsciously. So I wanted to ask her about that. Like, does she still find it weird hearing her songs? And here's what she said. She's out getting the paper, getting a bottle of milk. (laughs) She hears the song. Let's let's hear that. I've often wanted to know about artists, you know, like hearing your songs in different places. Mm. Like, have you ever been like in the back of a taxi or God knows where and you're going... (laughs) This is me. Yeah, it it happens to me. It happens to me um, quite a bit. And it's funny when I release music, I, I spend so much time listening to the song beforehand that when it's out, up until the point where I'm like rehearsing for tour, I never really listen to it again. It's the same with the music video. Like I watch it so many times in the process of it, you know, being ready and made and going through the grading process and whatever. And once it's out, I've like parted ways with it. 
um, that when I do get a surprise and I hear it on the radio, it's just the best feeling. It's like, oh my God, this is that thing that I've been working on for ages. <laughs> and it's so nice to hear it out in the real world. Well, um, so... Yeah. That, that's my song and she clearly loves loves hearing it. Crossy, before I let you go, Nigel Farage in I'm a Celebrity box office or what? This is going to backfire on I'm a Celebrity I think. You think? I follow a couple of oh yeah, really badly this time I think Farage was a really, really bad idea for them. You know, Anton Deck are so clean cut and to have them associated with someone like Farage, whether you support him or not there's a lot of anger about him mm. everywhere. He's getting 1.7 million, the highest a celebrity has ever got on I'm a Celebrity. And in some comments previously, a lot of people are angry. If you look online, not the usual noise, but there's a couple of commentators, like even Lorraine Kelly, which I find wild because she's hired by the ITV. She's come in and says, I'm not watching it this year. ITV have, you know, they've overstepped the mark. And there's more noise and noise. People go, do you know what? Your man last year was, he was a pain in the arse, but we, you know, he was grand. But they said Farage is a different beast altogether. And maybe politics and reality TV maybe shouldn't mix with each other. And currently in this current time. So it's going to be really interesting with the viewership figures. It will be very interesting to see what happens when Nigel Farage joins. I'm a celebrity later in this month. Crossy, that's all we have have time for it. Thanks, mate. We'll talk again sometime soon. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All your podcasts up ASAP. We'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.